It's time to get started. Come on, put your hands together and have. We're going to have a good time in the Lord this morning. Here we go. Oh, give thanks. Oh, Stay right there. Say it again. Oh, give thanks. for this another day, one that has not been seen before. And so we just thank you that we're here. We've come right now, Father God, lifting up the mighty and precious name of Jesus, who came and died, your good and perfect gift. And because of what he did, salvation is available. And so we just thank you right now. Father God, we enter into this day knowing that you created it. You know all about us. And Father God, we just ask right now that in each of us, you create within us a right spirit. Clean us up. Clear us out. Forgive us for the errors of our ways, but we thank you for your grace and your mercy. For you told us you'd never leave us or forsake us. And so we just thank you for that right now. We pray, Father God, and we ask and we invite in the presence of your Holy Spirit as we enter into this service. 
bind us all right now on one accord that we might serve you father god in spirit and in truth we pray for our pastor as he prepares to bring the word of life to us this morning we pray that hearts would be changed we just ask you right now to look in on those who are sick and who are bereaved for those who would like to be here but are not we pray for those who are here and we pray that as we go through the balance of this day that you will order every step that we take we pray that your loving spirit would keep us ever close together lead us guide us and the presence of your holy spirit we ask it all in the precious name of jesus christ amen let's love on him this morning simple song just says i love you because you are worthy. For Lord, Lord God, it is you that created mankind. And Lord, you are so kind to us that you created us in your own image. Made us just a little bit lower than angels. And you are worthy to be praised. Dear God, you're worthy to be honored. But you're worthy to have songs that are sung in your name. But you're worthy to have prayers that are prayed in your name. And Lord, you're worthy to have your preached word preached in your name because you're God and that you're God alone and nobody can replace you replicate you duplicate you because there's not another and dear Lord we thank you for it and as we assemble ourselves here together on this day let us come together as, as one, one unit, and 
And dear Lord, when we hear your words, when we hear the words of yours being sang, and Lord, when we hear your prayers, and when we hear your preached word, let us, dear Lord, not leave them in our pews or in our seats, but Lord, let us carry them with us everywhere that we go. And then let, let us shine our lights for mankind all over the world that may see your good works through us. Keep us now, dear Lord. Continue to bless us. And we'll forever be indebted to you. For we understand that it's better to obey than to make any sacrifice. So Lord, keep us and continue to bless us and let us continue to praise you because you're worthy to be praised. Now, these precious prayers, these holy prayers that we pray, we pray them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Now let us all say amen one time for the Father. Amen one time for the Son. Amen one time for the Holy Ghost because he's worthy. Amen, amen, and amen. Oh, come on, worship him this morning. With all my heart, with all my heart. to know that he is our king. Amen. God bless you. We thank God for his many blessings for bringing us here this morning. He didn't have to do it, but he did anyway. And that's a blessing. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. We're going to ask you now if you would participate in our response to reading followed by the hymn for the morning. So won't you please stand. We're going to ask that we read the responsive together. And there it is. May we read together. He only is my rock and my salvation. Isn't that powerful? Let's say that again like we really mean it. Amen. Just remember that when things get tough, you have a place to go. Amen. We're going to ask now that you join us in our congregation for the morning. We're going to take our time and do a good job. And we're going to ask that you would just join us now. The words are going to come up on the screen. And we're going to ask and just be reminded that the Lord is the solid rock. Amen. 
we just remember that, that's saying a lot. All other ground is sinking sand, amen? So you know who to go to, and I know that you knew that early on, but it's just good to be reminded every now and then. We're going to pause now just for a few announcements. Again, we ask that you please remember all of our sick and shedding members. I know that you don't, may not know all of them, but you know some of them, and we ask you to just pray for them in a special way. Just happy to see Sister Minifield here again this morning. She's gone through some. Raise your hand, Mother Minifield. We just thank the Lord for your presence this morning. Also, there are others that we know that, that need our prayers. We ask that you please pray for the Owens family. Mr. Owens is also recuperated, and we ask that you just please pray for him. I don't know if Mr. Yeah, I do see Mr. Gross back there. He's sitting, and that's what you need to do. Wave your hand, Brother Gross. Ask you to continue to pray for him as well. We also ask that you please continue to pray for the Gentry family. Most of you know that they lost a loved one just recently, and we ask that you continue to pray for them as well. And you may just check your bulletin now and pray for those who may be listed there. We also ask that you please pray for the upcoming Christmas cantata. There was one togetherness and rehearsal, slight rehearsal on yesterday, but we ask you to do two things. Number one, pray and show up, and the Lord will do the rest. Amen? We also ask that you please be in prayer for Sister Leola Gray. Uh, understand that she's in the hospital and certainly need our prayers. Also, understand that Brother Lee, Le Lamont Martin fell off the housetop on yesterday, and we ask that you please pray for him. And I heard that ambulance picked him up and carried him to the hospital, but we ask you to please pray for him. Also, our own sister, Bobby Buchanan, also went back to the hospital, and certainly we ask you to pray for her as well. I have a note here saying that Ms. Clara Roberts is in the St. Dominic's Hospital as well. She's having surgery on tomorrow, and we ask that you please pray for that individual. Sister Lil Gray, again, is in the St. Dominic's Hospital. I know I said that, but I'm going to read it again because somebody gave me a note. We ask you to please pray for that family as well. Sister Clara Bell Roberts is in St. Dominic's as well. She is having surgery in the morning and, of course, need the prayers of the church. We have a note here just saying, you didn't have to do it, but you did. And this is from the Sammy Henderson and Henderson family. Also, please continue to pray for our mother because we still take her back to Texas in November. So we ask you to pray for, him, pray for her. And this comes from Mrs. Annie Shaw. I believe these are our announcements now. We're going to get some additional announcements and information from the media. Media, you on? Good morning, K Chapel. Don't forget about the purse drive sponsored by Sunday School Class Number 14. Please be sure to drop off your new or gently used purses by October the 5th. Please be sure to check your bulletins and the bulletin boards for additional announcements and upcoming community events. And to share your ministry news with the K Chapel family, just send an email to K Chapel Announcements at Yahoo.com, or you can go to the Submit Info tab on the K Chapel app. But be sure to get your announcements in by noon on Tuesday of each week. Amen. That was short, sweet, and snappy, was it not? This time now, we're just going to pause and recognize our visitors. Listen, if you are not yet a member of this congregation, we're going to ask you to please stand. Let us thank you for coming and invite you back. All visitors, please stand up. Stand up, visitors. 
Amen. There's more than two. There's more than amen. God bless you. Remain standing. Remain standing. We want you to know on behalf of our senior pastor, Reverend Reginald Buck, our pastor, Mr. Reverend Hart Buck, the entire K Chapel family is so happy that you chose to worship us today. We know that you could have gone any place. You made our hearts glad by your presence. If you just visit, please come anytime you schedule out. But if by chance you're looking for church home, before you leave today, we're going to try to convince you to just find home. While you're standing, we're going to give you something. You're going to get here at K Chapel and Step Out Church. This is our fellowship here. I want you to reach out and welcome your neighbor. Welcome to K Chapel. So for me, we're going to ask you to come on up to the green.
going to get plenty of help now. Two minutes. <laughs> Good morning, Kay Chapel. I am your senior judge for the Seventh Circus District here in Hines County. I'm here this morning with a request. The first request, of course, is that you pray for me in and out of season. I pray, second, that you would vote for me on November the 6th as a judge who sat here in Hines County for 20 years. And before that time, I represented you in the House of Representatives for seven years. So I'm not a stranger here at Cade Chapel. I've spoke here, I've visited here, and I've watched you on Sunday morning before I got out to my own church. <laughs> it is certainly a blessing. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I was born in Washington Edition on the other side of town. I went to Isabel. I went to Blackburn, and I went to Jim Hill, and from there to Tougaloo, eventually married, had two children, and then went back to law school. So the silver in my head is not die, it's for real. <laughs> I have great honor and respect for this church and for each of you, and I know it's a lot of people running for judge, but I'm the senior judge, and I pray that you send me back because I'm the first woman elected to the circuit bench in Hines County and the first black male or, male or female who's ever served as senior judge. But it's not that that I'm here to tell you about. It's not who I am, it's whose I am. Right. It has always been a pleasure to first ask God's people for their blessing and for their votes. And we're in some terrible times in Hines County and in this country and we need stability. So it's with this stability and this request for your vote that I ask your support. And I see, I see my former principal over here, uh, but I thank you for your words and I ask that you continue to pray and vote, vote, vote. Amen. Amen. Minister Wright. Good morning. I'm sure many of you probably not even aware of the fact that September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. It is National Prostate Cancer Awareness. There's an organization here which is called You Are Not Alone, which I am the co-founder of. This coming Thursday at 7 o'clock at Dr. Timothy Quinn's office, which is located at 967 North Avery Boulevard in Ridgeland, we will be having our annual social, which will be an open meeting for whoever would like to come and be part of it. And yes, food will be served. Ladies, you can come with your man. Any questions that you may have, you can bring them to this meeting. We meet once a month on the fourth Thursday at Mount Calvary Family Life Center from six to seven. But this special meeting will be this Thursday. Come out, learn about prostate cancer awareness because the more you know, the better you can treat it if it happens to you. Amen. Amen. Well, it's giving time. 
We ask you to just be reminded that during early morning service, we only do one offering, and that is our combined offering. So we're going to ask you to prepare to give now as you so have been blessed. And just know that you can't be God-given. Amen. We get words from the pulpit, and our deacons and ushers will give us all a chance to give again as we have been so blessed. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hide his eyes shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, and they will perish, but the righteous shall increase. So give, give as the Lord has blessed you to give. May the Lord add his blessing to the givers, to the hearers and doers of his holy word. Ushers are coming now to give us all a chance to give, and of course the male course will give us a message in song. Ushers, choir.
our God. Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning. We can praise your holy name. And we thank you, Lord, for the ability to give. You've given us so much. And this is just a little bit that we can give back. Now, Lord, we ask that you let it be used for the benefit of this community. And that it builds up Cave Chapel community to the extent that we all can praise your holy name. It is in the precious name of Jesus. And every saint of God say amen. Amen and amen. And amen. Our pastor has asked that I would take the privilege to give you a special announcement. And uh, could I just say, hi, y'all. I missed you. I've been gone a month. Now, some of y'all missed me, too, I know, didn't you? A little bit. Can I get a hand clap being back at home? Oh, I'm so thankful. Uh, it has been 4,000 miles, and Jerome and I have just been wonderfully blessed going to the national convention. And then, um, Pastor hasn't announced, and I, I'll just say it, but I have a national appointment now with the National Baptist Convention. I am uh, the new co-chair of the Faith-Based Initiative Department of National Baptist USA Incorporated. My first assignment was leaving Minneapolis and flying to Washington, D.C. And I was a part of the Congressional Black Caucus. I brought back an assignment and Pastor just gave it right back to me and said, oh, you're going to do this, right? So we need a committee. Uh, you know that voting is right upon us. We have no excuse. We have absolutely no excuse. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I would love to see that everybody over 18 would put their hand up that they are a registered voter. I say, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Thank you anyway. But we have some folks that's hiding. We also have some people that are sick and they can't get to the polls. We also have some needs for transportation and assistance with phone banks, just like with my sister Green on election day. We need you to become a responsible, active Christian on election day. Not only go and vote, but take somebody else to the poll. Now, October 8th is our deadline for registering people. Can you make me a promise today that you would look through your household and your family and anybody that dare to tell you they're not registered, that you take them to the city uh, courthouse and get registered today or tomorrow or whenever you can go next week. We need, can I have a pledge? Can I have a promise? Come on, y'all. Can y'all promise me you're going to look for one person that you can try and get registered to vote? Thank you so much. Now, after service this morning, I need 12. I need a committee of 12. I'll take a 13 dozen. Uh, if you would meet me right here, one person from the mission department, a person from the brotherhood, and then any other of you that have time, our retirees, we will set up our own committee, and it will mirror the national committee. 
and I will be working with other churches and other districts across the country to get their committees set up. But what we want to do is have no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. If we don't win midterm elections, well, we're not going to talk about that because we're going to win midterm elections. Amen? Thank you so much. We'll get the final selection from this mayor course in front of you, and we ask you to pray for them as God may use them, after which we will get the message for the morning. You know, I heard a story one day about a woman who wanted to see Jesus. She had been sick a long time, but she believed all she had to do was touch the hem of his garment and everything would be all right. Now, this is a story. In the Bible days, she had been sick, sick for so very long. And she heard my Jesus was passing by. So she joined the gathering crowd. And while she was pushing her way through, someone asked her, what are you trying to do? She said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. And then she cried, oh, and oh, and oh, 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 oh. She said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I know that I would be made whole. Here and there Until she had no Had no more to spare And the doctors Had done all they could But their medicine Would do her no good When she touched him The Savior didn't see But still he turned around and cried Somebody touched me and she said it was I who wanted to touch the hem of your garment. I knew that I would be made whole. She stood there and then she cried, oh, and oh, and oh, oh, and oh. She said if I could touch the hem of your garment, I knew that I would be made whole. was standing near and the congregation was singing a tune in a voice so loud and clear and you know the crowd they stood all around them 
they were crying I could plainly see for the song that they sang was so touching they were singing nearer my God to thee now they kept on singing nearer my God to thee oh nearer and every day Lord I want to get nearer and nearer my God my God to thee and everything will be alright Kept on singing nearer, my God, to the old nearer. And every day, Lord, I have a desire, desire to be and nearer, my God. Oh, nearer, my God, to the old nearer. And every day, Get nearer, nearer, my God, my God to thee, and everything will be alright. And keep on singing, my God to thee, oh, nearer. And every day, Lord, I have a desire, desire to be, and nearer, my God, oh, heavenly Lord. Let the church say amen. amen. Can we say amen again? Amen. I want to get nearer. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer to my God in how I act. Nearer to God in how I talk. Nearer to God in how I relate to my brothers and my sisters. I, I want to get nearer to him. Not just walking with him, but acting like him. Nearer, my God, to thee. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Certainly this is our prayer. This is our hope. And this is our aim. As we continue, or rather wrap up actually, this Sunday, uh, in our series, The How-Tos of Faith, I want you to consider a passage of scripture with me found in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, two verses, those verses being 17 and 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And there you will find these words recorded. Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord as we wrap up this series, The How-Tos of Faith, I want to end with the concluding thought, how to grow in grace, how to grow in grace. 
I pray that this series has helped to shed some light on the ways that we are to go about living out those things that we know we ought to do as followers of Christ. We've been talking about things like how to love like Jesus. We were reminded in scripture that Jesus loved his disciples until the end. And he did so because the Bible says they were his own. We therefore are reminded that we are to love our own folk. Don't give all your love to everybody else and miss giving it to your own. We talked about how to forgive what you can't forget. We touched on the fact that forgiveness is releasing the need to be both vindicated or validated. It, it is releasing the need to be right and letting go of the debt that is owed you. And while forgiveness does not require that you forget the transgression, we said that it does insist that you forget about retaliation that you forget about vindication, that you forget about what you feel like you are owed, believing that the great judge of the universe will do right by you. So just forgive them anyhow. Let it go. I, I, I probably need to preach that one again. Because you didn't found something else to be mad at since I preached it last. So let it go. Forgive them again. We talked about how to pray with power. How to pray with power. The fact that the prayers of the righteous still avail much. And that we still believe in the power and the principles of prayer. And then last Sunday we talked about how to give with cheer. Keeping in mind that it is possible to give cheerfully when we remember to whom we are giving. We're giving through the church, but we're giving to our God. It is possible to give with cheer when we recognize that God is able to make all grace abound toward us, that we would always have all sufficiency in all things, that we would abound unto every good work. This morning, we want to conclude this series by sharing now some ideas from this text about how to grow in grace. That is the admonition of this text, to grow. To grow, to mature spiritually. To develop as a disciple in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In essence, we hear the instructions from this book telling us Simply put, grow up. I know you're looking for something real deep right there. But that's, that's in essence what this is saying. Deepen your faith and grow up. Start eating meat. Grow up. Get past the milk of the word. Grow up. Deepen your relationship with God. 
grow up. Let your faith mean more than you just attending church and grow up. Let your faith have more significance than religious rules and rituals and grow up. Let your faith have real life implications about your relationships, your finances, your behavior, your language, your business dealings, your personal affairs, how you walk, how you talk, how you live your life as a follower of Christ. Grow up. The authorship of this epistle is interesting because it comes from one who has some understanding about what it means to struggle as you grow. I mean, I know some of you got this thing all figured out, and if we were to chart your growth as a Christian, it would be a straight, inclining line showing steady growth up the graph. I know that's how some of your growth would look, but, but, but there are a few of us who have some peaks and some pitfalls. Two or three over here who don't mind admitting that, that there's some incline, but there's some decline. That there's some trending in the right direction, but, but every now and then I trend in the... Hmm? Yeah, and for those of us who recognize that growing spiritually does not happen without some failure along the way, we have the words of the Apostle Peter to encourage us this morning, but grow in grace. Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What, what, what encouragement that is to grow in grace. While we are being commanded to grow up, we are also being encouraged to do so with the blessed assurance that as we grow, God's grace is with us. Grow in grace. I'm glad that of all the writers who could append these words, that they come from the apostle Peter. Because if anybody knows something about growing in God's grace, it would have to be Peter. But this is the same Peter said to the Lord one night, Lord, I'll never betray you. That, that, that's the same Peter. It's the same Peter who, who, when the going got rough, even a little teenage girl accused him and he started cussing the girl out. That's the same Peter. The same Peter who denied knowing Jesus three times. This is the same Peter who went back to fishing after the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. This is the same Peter who was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, worshiping God, declaring, it's good for us to be here. And yet when Jesus said, come on and watch and pray with me for an hour, he went to sleep. That's the same Peter. Same Peter. Jesus looks at one day and says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, he says, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Jesus recognized that even though Peter had a great destiny in store, there was some growing that he would have to do along the way. And the only way Peter would grow into the apostle 
who writes this epistle today, he had to do so in grace. He had to grow with grace. He had to get better as he got older. I could preach that right there. I say he, he, had, he had to get better, not bitter. You know, some folk get older. You, you know I'm telling the truth. Seems like every year they make, they get more bitter. But there's something here about Christians growing better as they age. Getting better in their personality. Getting better in their persona. Getting better in their disposition. Getting better with their attitude. Growing in grace. I don't know how you feel about it, but... This is very encouraging to me because it says to me, the fact that this is written by Peter says to me that when you are growing in the grace of God, that there is life after failure. There is still ministry after mess ups. And there is still service after sinning. I know that there's some folk who don't understand grace, don't really practice grace. Don't extend grace, but the good news this morning is that our God is a God of all grace. The very fact that these epistles written by Peter should offer us hope that somehow through the multiplied mercies of God, there is the possibility of living out and fulfilling your God-ordained purpose after personal or spiritual failure. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God ain't through with you. Don't let the devil make you believe that because you messed up, there's no hope and there's no future for you. This epistle declares that we can grow and we should grow in the grace of our Lord and our Savior. Peter opens this epistle in chapter 1 in much the same way as he closes it in chapter 3 with a charge for believers to develop spiritually, to mature in their faith. Listen to Peter beginning in chapter 1, verse 5. Peter says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter charges and challenges us who claim Jesus Christ as Savior to move beyond the place of our initial faith and grow deeper. Deeper in these Christian traits and attributes that should distinguish us and identify us as belonging to Christ. In other words, Peter says to us, that it is not enough to simply say we're saved. Not a, it's not enough to say you've been born again. Not enough to say you've been baptized. But to this faith, he says, add something. Add some depth. Add some substance. Add some meaning that says to the world, I'm not just saved by Christ, but I'm growing and becoming more like Christ. Nearer 
my God to thee. That is the beginning of this letter. And the ending of the letter echoes its start. Verse 18, but grow in grace. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does it mean then? To grow in grace. And how does one go about doing so? Let us then bring some meaning to the word grace. Grace, and this is my own definition, grace is the inexhaustible supply of God's goodness that we do not deserve, could not earn, and would never be able to repay. Let's say that again. Grace is the inexhaustible supply of God's goodness that we do not deserve, could not earn, and would never be able to repay. What is grace? Grace is God's favor. It's God's mercies. It's his blessings. It's his goodness that he freely gives to us, watch this, in spite of us. God's grace is seen then in his unconditional love. It is seen in his unrelenting forgiveness. It is seen in his unquestionable faithfulness. It is seen in his unfailing mercies that are given to us morning by morning. New what? Mercies I see. Peter instructs the believer to grow in the inexhaustible goodness of God, which means that as believers we should grow to the place where the mercies that God extends to us are not wasted. That what God does for us, we don't take for granted or misappropriated. And if I'm going to grow to the place, Stanley, where God's mercies are not wasted and where they are not taken for granted or misappropriated, then I must come to appreciate what grace is and what grace does. So before we go too far, let's start at the beginning. Here it is. Watch this. It ain't deep, but it's true. Only living things grow. Only living things grow. If you are going to grow in grace, you first must be alive. And I'm not talking about your physical self right now. I wish I had a witness. Only living things grow. If you're going to grow spiritually, you must be spiritually. Come on and talk to me here. Alive, 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 alive. Too often people are trying to grow in things to which they have not been spiritually born. And then they get frustrated when they don't see the results for which they are hoping. They want blessings contained in God's word without being born of God. They want a relationship without a redeemer. Want faith without acknowledging faults. Want promises and provisions without the prerequisite of confessing and believing that Jesus is Lord. But if you want to grow in the things of God, if you want to develop and deepen your spiritual walk with God, you first must be born of God. It's just that simple. Before you can grow spiritually, you must be born spiritually. And until you are born of the spirit or born again, you cannot grow in grace. You can't grow into something that you're not born to be. 
An immature apple does not grow to become a mature peach. Huh? A baby orange doesn't grow to become a ripe plum. A green banana does not grow to become a green pear. All of these fruits mature to become the things that they already are. And if you're going to mature as a Christian, you got to be one first. You have to be born again. To grow in grace, I have to first of all be saved by grace. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen to that again. For by grace you are saved. By what? Grace. You are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God, not of works, and you ain't got nothing to boast about. That, that's, that's what this is. Say, when it comes down to it, when you start talking about your salvation, make sure you give all the credit to God. Because you didn't have nothing. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. You didn't have anything to do with that. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. I know you had a good week. I know you've been walking pretty good since you found the Lord. But listen, your righteousness, the Bible says, is as what filthy rags before God. You are not good enough to save yourself. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. Which brings me to my next point. If you're going to grow spiritually, then you must grow in how you receive grace. You've got to grow in how you receive grace. You know, there's some folk I found who just don't know how to receive nothing. I mean, you can give them a compliment and they look at you funny. You, you know some folk like that. You, you, you can tell them you, you like the song they sang and they wonder what you really mean by that. How do you receive? How do you receive? Can you receive the gift of God? Watch this without being skeptical of it. Watch this. Without wondering, are there strings attached to it? Can you receive the gift and just know that it is what it is? And that's what it is with God. He, he says, this is my gift to you. No strings attached. It's a gift of God. Salvation, a free gift that cost Christ his life. And when I know that my salvation is not based upon me and what I do, 
but based upon Christ and what he did. Then that helps me understand that God's grace is pure. And I must then mature in my acceptance and my appreciation and my appropriation of what I've been given. In essence, I must grow in my understanding of what it means to live in and under grace. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when you live in and under grace, you do not rely on works of the flesh. When you live in and under grace, you do not place any trust in your own good deeds. When you live in and under grace, you recognize that what Jesus Christ did at Calvary is completely sufficient to save me and keep me. Listen to me. As a believer, I cannot mix my works in with Christ's works and use them as a supplement to keep me saved. I'm preaching better than you talking to me. I, listen. When, 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 when I begin to mix my own works in with his works, then I'm doing what Paul talked about in Galatians 2 and 21, and I'm starting to frustrate the grace of God. It's in the text, y'all. It's saying, you, you're frustrating God's grace. When, when you try to come alongside and say, well, Lord, Look, look at how good I'm acting. Look, 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 look at how much I'm giving. Look, look, look at how much I'm studying your word. Look, look, look at how often I serve your people. Look, look at what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing all these good things. And, and when you start to put all of that in with what Christ already did, Paul says you're frustrating grace. Because what you're saying is, Lord... You were good enough to save me, but, but I got to do what I got to do to keep me. My, my, my. Paul says you cannot bring the law in as a supplement to God's grace. You cannot lean and depend upon your good works for any part of your salvation. Hear me and hear me well. Salvation comes and is preserved completely by the work of Christ. And you don't have nothing to do with that. Y'all missing that. Y'all missing that. Y'all missing that. Hear what I said. Salvation, salvation comes and is completely preserved by the work of Christ. And you don't have anything to do with being saved or keeping yourself saved because you can't keep yourself saved. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Let, let, me, let, me, let me try and prove, prove it to you and push it. Ch listen, trying to fulfill the law as a means of either procuring or preserving salvation frustrates grace. Why? Because law and grace are antithetical. Law and grace are in opposition to each other. And growing in grace is growing to the point of receiving once and for all God's grace as being completely sufficient to save me and keep me.
without any help from me. My God, my God. Growing in grace is growing to the place of recognizing that God, watch this, God didn't need me to help me get saved and he doesn't need me to help me stay saved. Growing in grace is understanding that God's grace is absolutely sufficient. His grace is enough. His grace is all that I need when it comes to being counted as righteous. And as a believer, I receive and rely on his grace only as the saving and preserving force in my life. Now, some of you find that hard to believe, but we sing it every day. You sing about it just about every Sunday. It's one of your favorite hymns, Amazing Grace. Everything that I just said is in that song. I'm approving it. Here it is. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. What saved you? Grace. It was amazing. Ama second verse, second verse. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me saved thus far, and grace will lead me home. It's in the song, you see. What are you saying? You're saying grace saved me and grace is keeping me and grace is going to take me on in. It ain't got nothing to do with you. It's all about him. That's why it's so amazing. Growing in grace is growing in the knowledge that I don't have enough going on in my life that I can keep myself saved. I, I just don't have enough going on that, 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 that I can say to the Lord, Lord, look at what I did this week. Ain't that enough? Now I hear somebody saying already, but preacher, wait a minute. If my good works and my righteousness and my holiness and if my sanctification don't play a part in maintaining my salvation and if it's all on God's grace, then what's the use of living a holy life? If it's God's grace that saves me and keeps me, then why am I trying to live right? Why am I resisting the devil? Why am I turning from temptation? Why am I pursuing righteousness? Let me answer it this way. Your works are not meant to maintain your salvation. They are meant to proclaim your salvation. I'm helping somebody straighten out their doctrine right now. Your works are not meant to maintain your salvation, but proclaim your in other words, your works, your works, your works identify you as a child of God. Your works announce to the world that you belong to him. Your works qualify your confession of faith and substantiate your conversion so that when people look at you, they don't have to say, I thought he was a Christian. I thought she was a Christian. No, your works will testify that you are who you claim to be. <sighs> all right growing in grace growing in grace so so first of all if i'm growing in grace i gotta recognize how i receive grace 
But then growing in grace means that I grow in how I not only receive grace, but how I perceive grace. In other words, if I'm a growing grace, I've got to have a different understanding of what grace really is. And what my relationship and my responsibility to grace is. When I grow in grace, I have a different perception of how I appreciate and appropriate grace in my life. Hmm. Paul writes this. He says, well, let me, before I, before I tell you what he says, but listen, maturing in grace means this, that while I accept grace as the means by which God preserves my salvation, I must be careful that I don't misuse grace and take advantage of it and use it then as my ticket to sin. Let me say it again. Grace keeps you, preserves you, saves you, but you must appropriately appropriate it so that it is not misused as a ticket to sin. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 verse 14, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. He says, verse 15, What then shall we say? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. What He says, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says, God forbid. Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Paul says, no way. Grace saves us and grace keeps us. But what Paul says is don't misuse grace as an opportunity to sin. Sin should not have power or dominion over your life. And neither should you think of sin as being okay because God's grace is keeping you. And if you're going to grow in grace, you've got to mature in your appreciation and your appropriation of grace. In other words, use it wisely. Appropriate it in your life in such a way that it doesn't show disregard and disrespect for how wonderful the gift of grace is. Grace is too precious for you to mistreat it. Grace is too meaningful to mishandle it. Grace is too wonderful to waste it. And growing in grace means that I'm maturing to the point in my spiritual walk that I'm not, watch this, planning to sin and to confess it in order to take communion. mess somebody up I just messed somebody up yeah 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 okay four Sunday coming up but yeah Saturday night is here Sunday coming Saturday here I got a few hours to get right so I take the bread and the wine so preacher said I'm under grace Lord forgive me for what I'm about to do. Amen, lights. That's a misappropriation of grace. Growing in grace is coming to a place in your understanding that grace is not your ticket to sin, but rather it is your invitation to live in the fullness of a living faith that produces abundant fruit. Last point and I'm through. If you're going to grow in grace, then you must grow in how, watch this, here's the hard one. 
You got to grow in how you extend grace to others. If you're going to grow in grace, you got to grow in how you extend grace to others. Peter, Peter encourages the believers to grow in grace. Knowledge of Jesus Christ, grace, we said earlier, is the inexhaustible supply of God's goodness that we neither deserve, can't earn, or will never be able to repay. Grace, then, is God's favor. It just doesn't run out. It's the Lord's mercy that just keeps coming. It's God's blessings that continue to pour over us time and time again. And when we grow in grace, when we grow in grace, we become vehicles of goodness and vessels of mercy. Say that again. See, because grace, watch it again, it's the inexhaustible supply of God's goodness given to us, we who don't deserve it, can't repay it. Y'all remember what I said? Yeah, that's what grace is. And so when, when, if we're going to grow in grace, we've got to become that kind of vehicle for mercy and grace to flow through us. Because God does that for us, we then must be a vessel where that's done to others. If you're going to grow in grace, there's something to be said about how graceless Christians are becoming. You know some. I know some too. Don't look too closely now. You might be sitting next to one of them. Graceless Christian. Graceless Christian didn't laugh just then. That's a graceless Christian. They sitting up there mad. Ain't got no grace. I'm just joking. I'm just messing with y'all. Y'all, lighten up, lighten up. Grace, but seriously, graceless Christians, graceless Christians. What, what I'm noticing more in the kingdom of God is that as a people of God, we practice less and less grace. We exercise less and less mercy. We don't operate in extended, extending multiplied mercies to those who offend us or who test us or who try us, but rather we become isolationists. We cut them off and cut ourselves off from them and we get them told quick. So they don't even think about doing it again and when you too quickly confront someone and you have not prayed about it you're not operating in grace when you too quickly jump on what has offended you and you haven't given an opportunity to pray and, and ask God to get in that situation because guess what a lot of things happen and people who offend you sometimes they aren't even at themselves and they never would have done what they did had they really been at themselves. But because you're so easily offended and ain't got no grace, ain't nobody gonna walk over me. We have to be more gracious, more patient, and more Christ-like. All of us have experienced that difficult, cranky, hard-to-get-along-with person. Don't call no names. I heard you over there. 
Y'all didn't hear that, did you? Okay, good. Shame on you. We know that person. And we don't always operate in kindness to them. Truth is, these are the people who need grace extended to them the most. And maybe you're saying, but preacher, they don't deserve it. That's the point. That's what grace does. Grace goes where it isn't deserved. Oh. Grace meets people who have messed up. That's what grace does. Grace looks over, forgives, and extends another chance to the undeserving. All right, I'm done. You know when I close it, it's true. But y'all remember the story? Jesus tells a parable about... Um, the unforgiving debtor. And, and interesting, when Jesus tells this parable, y'all remember what the context of Jesus telling this parable? Peter has just asked Jesus a question, how many times should we forgive folk? It's that same Peter who comes back and writes, growing grace. But at that point, he's saying, Lord, how many times are I supposed to forgive my brother. And Jesus tells this parable about the unforgiving debtor. Y'all remember what it was? He said, man, uh, old king some money. We'll just say a million dollars. And he said to him, king, I don't have the money. And he was prepared to sell his children and wife and everything to get the money. The king said, you know what? Forget about it. Don't worry about it. Go on. I forgive you of your debt. And that joker walked out of that house with a million dollar debt counsel and saw one of his friends who owed him a hundred dollars. And, and, and the parable is, and he grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me my C-note. I mean, that's my translation, but you get it. And, and, and he said, I don't have it. I don't have it. And, and the guy said, if you don't have it, I'm throwing you in jail and your family too. And somebody was overhearing it and watched it all who, who understood that this man had just had a million dollar debt canceled by the king and yet he was has, harassing this guy of a hundred dollars. And he went back to the king and said, you ain't gonna believe what's going on out there. He told him the whole story. He said, that's all right, bring him back in here. He said, I, don't, I can't believe I canceled your million dollar debt and you out there harassing somebody over a hundred. What's the matter with you? Wait a minute, wait a minute. And, and I ain't gonna even, the point is, where is your grace? You just had grace extended to you. Why are you not extending grace to somebody else? 
you just had lavish amounts of grace poured upon you, counseling a million dollars. Why are you not, why don't you have a hundred dollars worth of grace? That's our challenge this morning. If we're going to grow in grace, we got to be willing to extend to others the kind of grace that God extends to us. Has he forgiven you? Has he looked over your faults? Has he given you another chance? Has he allowed you to get back up on your feet and start over again? Has he, has he not disqualified you because of your past? But decided, you know what, that there's more in store for you and allowed you to get up and move into your future and into your destiny without holding it over your head? If God has done that for us, and if you want to grow in grace, you've got to extend that to others. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you, and give you his peace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found blind, but now I saw Yes. That saved a wretch like me. My God, my God. Oh, I, I once, once was lost, but now the doors of the church are open. You can come now by letter by Christian experience as a candidate for baptism. God's amazing grace awaits you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can get to know Him right now. Hallelujah. Yes. Taught my heart to feel.
days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the old church just used to end it with a praise shout saying praise. Come on and praise. You ought to praise. If you got anything to praise him for, you ought to stand to your feet and just praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Let us all say amen. Brothers and sisters, we have Sister Smith and Sister Watson. They're coming to us by Christian experience. I just have a couple of questions I need to ask both of you. That means you have been a member of a church before. You both have been baptized. Here at K, we ask, are you willing to study with us so we can teach you what we believe as Baptists? Are you willing to study with us? Yes. Yes. Amen. That's all that's required. I'm going to welcome you. I ask that you will go with Sister Butler, and she will sign you up for orientation. God bless. Our sisters are coming. One is asking for prayer and another is coming and asking for prayer of a friend. So I'm going to ask if the sisters and brothers here would join me in prayer. Father God, again, we come to you as humble as we know how. But Lord God, we come to you boldly, knowing that there is nothing too great for God. Father, we have one sister who is asking for prayer, another sitting in for someone else. Father God, we don't know all of the things, but we know that you know. Father, right now we ask that you will intervene, that for whatever it is, whatever the situation may be, that you will take control. Father, that you will honor their coming and that you will give them what they are asking. Help them, Lord, whether it's a family problem, whether it's a health problem. Father, whatever it is, bless now. Hear their prayer. Father God, we won't try to take any of the credit, but we will give you all of the praise and all of the glory as you take care of the situation. And we ask that you would do it in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 Let the church say amen. Anybody still believing in the power of prayer? Hallelujah. We're believing with you, praying for you, that God is hearing your prayer and answering your prayer even now. Amen. Amen. God bless you and God keep you. We're going to prepare now. We ask that you begin preparing your hearts and focusing your attention now 
upon this table before us. It is the table of remembrance that contains the elements that symbolize the body and the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ask Reverend Leroy Harrington if he will lead us in this moment. As we come now to assemble around this table, yeah. we ask God's blessing upon each one that is here, such a hearts and our mind. Make us worthy to come to this, to eat of this bread and drink of this wine. He said, if you do it, you remember me time of my suffering. As we come now, this table. Let us break bread together. there's anyone that cannot take the regular bread, Brother Gentry will be able to give you Luton free bread. All right. Brother Gentry will have it.
Let us praise God together. Break bread together. together. together.
Jobin Sölt. Let us eat our bread together. all drink our wine together. After they had all finished and they sung a hymn, they began to march out. Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.